Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys get the pleasure of hearing from Sharare Siadat. And Sharare is going to share with us her story of starting Tude, what Tude is all about. And I think you'll be surprised to hear that it's more than a product that she's built here. So why don't we hear it from herself? Welcome to the show, Sharare. Thank you, Netta June. And I say June because I'm Iranian. And Netta is, you know, an Iranian name as well. And June is uh, like in a very endearing way. We kind of, it's like dear. Oh, I love that. We're sisters. We're from we're from another side of the world. I love it. I appreciate that. So tell our listeners a little bit about Tude and what it is and then kind of why you started it. Sure. Um, Tude is short for attitude. And we are spelled T-O-O-D and Tude is my liberation. I often say, and, and to just give the quick answer, Tude is a makeup company. But I always say I'm not in the business of selling makeup. I'm actually in the business of freedom. Freedom to make all feel comfortable showing up and looking, uh, and not only looking, but just accepting and knowing you're beautiful with the face that you were born with, the way that I accept the face that I'm born with today at 43. That took me a lifetime to come back to because I am a little Iranian girl with a unibrow who's not so little anymore, who is now middle-aged, a 43-year-old woman. But from the time that I was five years old, I grew up in a very small town in Massachusetts. And it was very apparent to me at that time that my Iranian features, particularly my unibrow, my mustache, you know, my hairy arms, my legs, just all the hair that I had and the darker complexion I had, comparative to my classmates, really sowed the seeds of me feeling less than them. And this is in, in the 80s when the diversity boom that we see today and the representation in the media did not exist. And I think what that does for a little child is when you don't really feel seen and you don't feel uh, a sense of belonging in your community, you really absorb that as being less than, or at least I did. I really took that as not being valid. And it made me always want to be blonde hair and blue eyed. It made me feel that I would never be valid enough to receive 
anything that my equal um, classmates would receive. A, a little girl with a unibrow who got bullied, that ended up really setting the stage for the tone for the rest of my life. Hmm. I ended up spending the rest of my kind of childhood and up until college and, and when I started working, doing everything I could to look like my Eurocentric brothers and sisters, like in terms of their features. When I was in eighth grade, we moved to Florida and I looked at that as an opportunity to reinvent myself. How can I reinvent myself? Well, easy. I'm going to remove these 100 hairs between my eyes, these 100 hairs that have caused me so much pain. And if I have two separate eyebrows um, and I will look more human, um, then maybe I have a new world order ahead of me. Sure. And so from the early to mid nineties, when that unibrow was plucked up until 2017 for 24 years, I would tweeze my unibrow, would highlight every hair, remove hair, hair removal, laser, tweezing, waxing, threading. I um, would go on crash diets all the time to be as skinny as possible to erase my Iranian curves. I ended up marrying a white man. I ended up having children. My first two were blonde hair and blue eyes who did not resemble me, but my yeah. classmates completely. And then I had my third daughter who came out as the portal that I needed uh, because mm. she was a mirror, an exact replica of me, which was shocking after having two blonde children. At 37, a few years after she was born, she was born when I was 34, I knew at that time because she was inheriting my unibrow features and they were mm -hmm. becoming more prominent that if my children, particularly my youngest, didn't witness their mother standing up to a face of a society who may not consider her valid, who may not consider her beautiful, who may, who may tell her that we're going to profit off of you hating yourself and we're going to profit off of you conforming yourself to looking like everyone else, then my daughters don't stand a chance. Yeah. And not seeing their mother embrace themselves, never mind how the world views it, but that, you know, then there's nothing even internally. And then having that third daughter view herself as different than the other two. I had to deal with it. And what scared me the most was that when I tweezed my unibrow at 13, it was like my Pandora's box. I had put that secret away and I had buried it and I knew that the key was thrown away and I never needed to find the key. But when she was born, I had to find that key and I was scared. I was nursing her when I, uh, she was two days old and I was scared. And so that's why in 2017 at 37, three years later, I was comfortable enough at that point, having been a mom three times over, having my youngest be three, I knew that everything I tell my children to do at that point, they never do, but they mm. absorb me, sure. they watch me, and they replicate me. And that was the reason why I needed to go on this experiment, an experiment of, will these hairs grow back? How hairy am I? It was an experiment of how hairy am I? And at a time when I didn't announce this on Instagram, I didn't tell friends, I just did it. And it was the scariest thing. It sounds so silly, but I was terrified no. No. of doing yeah. this. I needed to see a face I hadn't seen in 24 years to know at this level of consciousness, what would my relationship be to those hairs? Yeah. And after six weeks, this is the face that came back. That shows you how hairy I am. Uh, number two, I realized that this face is also not scary. And number three, my shoulders dropped because my Pandora's box the biggest secret of all was no longer needed to be hidden. It was actually on my face. So what does that do to someone's psychology when their whole life they've been hiding and keeping something a secret? Well, you have a whole new attitude. And so that's where the name came from. I decided to write a children's book about this because I thought that uh, going to a new generation who may not have the biases towards unibrows and just different looking people we'll have an opportunity to see stories about a girl with a unibrow. And I thought, what a great way to help the world. And through that process, I thought of bundling the book with a creamy eyeshadow where kids could paint themselves. Like, and I thought that my unibrow is my superhero mask. 
And I thought kids could like, you know, maybe they want to paint their nose or their ear or anything. And I wanted to empower children to use makeup, but really paints, right? As an aspect of like self-expression. Yeah. And celebration. And celebration. Yeah. And my book agent thought that was such a good idea. She thought I should pursue it. And about a month later, my book deal fell through because Scholastic cited that in 2019 that they couldn't do enough book sales with the girl with the unibrow. This is right before the diversity boom in literature. Wow. And uh, that door closed for me to walk into a lab and start my adventure with Tude. Okay. There's about three things I have to say before they flow away from my head. So one... You've mentioned liberation and how so much of this was a liberation for you. And I particularly love that because this podcast is Liberty Road for a reason. And that was your road. And that's, and, and then there's the road of being an entrepreneur and so many other things. And we'll unpack that as we, we go through this. The other thing is, you know, we're talking about hairs. You said 100 hairs between your eyes. What I want people to really hear is we all have those things, whatever they are. For you, they were 100 hairs. But we all have that thing, in particular, those of us who haven't been represented, and I I hear you in that. And it's a beginning for us to unpack it, to know that it exists, to know that it's a secret, to unpack that secret, to unlock that secret, to use your metaphor, but then to celebrate that secret. And that's what I love about where the story has ended or just begun is that it wasn't just that you were doing this in a way to say, no, I, I love all of myself, flaws and all. You didn't call it a flaw. You turned it on its side and said that thing that I didn't want to be aligned with or I didn't want to be seen as is actually the very thing that makes me who I am and that makes me unique. And that's the person that needs to be showing up in this world to impact the world, to make a difference, not just your daughters, although they are more than enough. That is exactly the work as parents that we want to do. But the fact that you were able to turn all of this into something that other people could, through your story, identify what those 100 hairs are for them and then find a way to celebrate. I, I love, I love everything about your story and so glad that you're you're with us today. So we know what prompted you to launch the brand and we have a sense of your backstory. Oh, and I also love, this was the third thing, that you took a closed door and found an open window. That the what was intended as a book deal, you found another way to continue to impact by telling the same story just in a different way. And for listeners who feel like they've been banging up against the same issues time and time again, I think that's a great way to look at like, maybe it's time to look and see what windows are opening for you. So thanks for sharing that part of the story, because I think it's really important. Thank you for picking up on those three points. Um, Very astute observations. I will add that Part of my own rewilding and reclaiming and rewriting of my own beauty narrative is really rooted in my connection to self. Hmm. And when we are in authorship of telling our story, that's when all of the shame that may have, you know, created the scenarios for us to, to work a certain way have been removed. And so I had a lot of shame around not being a perfectionist. Hmm. And so for me to grow those 100 hairs back is also for me to really accept the wholeness of myself. Mm. I tell myself there's no such thing as a mistake anymore. Mm. Everything is an input that adds to the next input that you do. Mm. So for listeners, I also want you to be kinder to yourself and not so critical, especially in our middle age where we feel like maybe time is running out mm-hmm. or why didn't I do this when I was younger? Last week I had a session with a life coach and as we were chatting, she had talked about different limiting beliefs that one could have and do I have any? And I was like, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure they're in there somewhere. But <laughs> And it was interesting. She said, where do you want to be in five years? And I said where I want to be in five years. And she said, oh my goodness, you're already there. Mm. And I immediately became emotional. And I was like, no, I'm not. There's so, there's so much that is not an indicator of me having already 
achieved that success. And it was mistakes I had made. It was a lack of money that I had made. And she was like, yeah, but you're impacting the thing that you want to impact. You just need the volume. This is just a conversation of volume. The way that that switched my Mm. frame of mind and my thinking was, it was not just helpful, it was imperative into how I move into my future and my future self and my future dreams. What you're saying right now about those inputs is exactly how I translated what she was saying. You're taking all the right steps and now you're just talking about how do those inputs become outputs in a slightly different way? How do those things translate into a slightly different way? So I hope everybody else is having an aha moment. I know I am. So let's go back to sort of launching Tude. What about the celebration through paint, through glitter? What about that was important to you? You know, I think part of being raised in a world where Eurocentricity reigned supreme, we were also taught how to wear makeup and where to wear it. Mm. For example, whoever said that lipstick goes on lips? Mm -hmm. Who said blush goes on cheeks? We created binary parts of even our face and body to wear makeup. Who said I can't put glitter on my unibrow? Mm. And when I started to ask myself these questions, I really wanted to get to the psychological aspect of beauty so I could understand how to help others, but really myself decouple all the things I was taught to hate about myself. Big beauty wants to capitalize off of our self-hate and our shame. So they want to make us all look one way and the Eurocentric way. The knowing how that started to kind of evolve, then like there was women's side products and men's side products. It was the same product, but they were able to capitalize more off of it. When I started to look at all of these things, then I said to myself, this has to be a non-binary line Mm. because what does gender have to do with makeup expression? Mm. Also binary is not just in gender. It's also in the areas of our body that we wear makeup. And for me, my entire body is a canvas. Mm. No one can tell me that my body's not a canvas. And I wanted to create the safest paints because when we think about makeup, it's, it's going on the largest organ of our body and we're ingesting it and our endocrine systems are so valuable. And from being a mother three times over, I knew from being pregnant what is not safe for me to put on. So can I come up with the safest paints to self-express that works for hair, works for brows, face, eyes, lids, everything, armpit hair. So that's why it was so important to me, Netta June, because if I can create a product that doesn't tell you how to wear it. Mm -hmm. If I can create a product that's just not for one specific type of person or one specific way of looking, what are the infinite manifestations of creativity that can be born from the world? Let me set up a system to truly have authentic conscious creators. And that is what I mean by freedom and liberation. Because to me, if there was no beauty standard, how would you express yourself? Mm. And that's a great question to ask. And it's interesting too that your intentionality in it begs for our attention to it, right? So when I start thinking about, okay, I'm a 55-year-old woman. I'm looking at Tude, the product Tude. I have a 19-year-old daughter. And I think, okay, how would she experience it? And how would I experience it? But the fact that it, let's say I'm going through your Instagram feed and I see the different ways that you are using it, I am forced to now think of beauty in a different way. Without even hearing this podcast or your story, I'm now forced to think about, yeah, why, why am I always putting things in this order, in this way, on, the, on these parts of my face? Why can't I think of them in a different way? And all of a sudden, I'm having the conversation with myself about what is beauty? Where do these things go? Who told me these things should go here? So by design or not, the product begs for us to really be thoughtful about what we're doing, or at least inquisitive 
about, oh, why is she saying we can do this in this way? Was that all by design or was that just a product, an outflow of what you were creating? All by design. I'm um, I'm very cerebral, yeah, but I'm also yeah. an artist. So it's it's a way where my left and right brain really co- connect together. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started with these questions, and I had the idea of this kind of glittery, creamy eyeshadow called my freestyle color cream. But beyond that, this was a makeup line born out of theory and out of my activism for making people feel safe to show up as they are, mm. to know that they're valid as they are with the face that they were born with and they don't need to change anything because I was looking for that in the world. And I also think from a chemical perspective, liberation is also freeing ourselves from corporations killing us with formulas that are not good for our health that will then funnel into the healthcare system. Mm. I vow on myself. I help the lab create these formulations and they go through a vetting process and also a third party vetting process. We are the cleanest in the industry. I know I'll feel safe putting anything on or if my child ingests something because they have it as a lipstick, I don't have to worry. And we're living in a world now where we're seeing how many times we start using products and then five years from now we're told, you know, They were not good for our health. Give us a little bit of that background. So it's so clear how much of this was a passion project and driven from a personal story. Where was sort of the technical side coming from? What did you know about makeup? What did you know about clean beauty? What did you know about running a business? Great questions. Um, All of which could have a separate podcast, by the way. (laughs) Um, What did I know about the formulations? Yeah. I have a background in IT. I went to Stern Business School, but I had a whole career in pharmaceuticals, not on the creating the drug side, but on marketing to the physician side. Uh-huh. I think I'm a woman who's been marketed to my whole life for mm. 43 years. I have used a lot of makeup. I have bought a lot of makeup, which I'm sure every person listening to this podcast can relate to. And I've also been pregnant three times. So I knew what is safe for a pregnant woman to put on and what is not. And I feel that that should be the standard for the world, not just be for pregnancy. When I walked into a lab, I knew that I wanted it to be the cleanest. And I knew that I had to perform. I didn't know much, but I also knew in the clean world, it was a very muted palettes, Mm -hmm. bronze, rose gold, browns. That was it. But I said, why can't you have the fun rainbow bright colors come to clean and it really didn't exist. It still doesn't. I would say Tude is still really the the leader there when it comes to color. So it's like really clean color and performance for me um, were the three criteria. And I knew what chemicals didn't work. And I worked very close with my formulators, um, really pushing them. And then I will say one last thing was the environment because everything is holistic for me. And why environment matters is you can't just look at a formula as being clean. You have to look at the packaging that it's made in to make sure it's first of all compatible. So then the clean formulation lasts. And also what was the entire supply chain that got that packaging to you? And what is that package made out of? So mother earth was important to me. Anyone listening to this podcast could get into the beauty industry. It may cost you a ton of money. It may kill you, but we're all capable because we can all ask just questions. I think just by asking questions and being an outsider, you can create a lot of innovation and you can be a disruptor. And obviously you came equipped with this stern education. So you had the business acumen, right? So what you were learning about was clean beauty, what you were learning about was the beauty industry in general. And then you knew the areas that you wanted to disrupt and the and the impact that you wanted to have we should mention you just launched in 2021 what was the hardest part of launching this even equipped with a business background the making of tude is also partially tied to the making of me mm-hmm. which is interesting and i think a lot of women who are business owners we view ourselves holistically, we can't just compartmentalize this. So me building myself up 
growing my unibrow in, reintegrating into society with this new aura. And since then, it I, I was working on Toot about a year, year and a half before launch. And now we're a little over two years old. So I, um, this was a pandemic yeah. project in a way. About six months before the pandemic, I started to work on Toot. And um, the pandemic actually completely threw me for a loop because I had my site set on launching probably in the summer of 2020. I found out that like the glitter that I was formulating was made out of plastic. So I had to throw my entire like mm. year and a half of research away. Um, I think the hardest thing of, of building Tude and launching Tude was every single thing I did, I was doing for the first time. And I had to trust my gut and I had to ask questions and I had to also uh, submit to the will of God. I think I've had challenges with people I've hired who have told me they have like, you know, worked in the industry and I've done certain things, but then have not delivered on those. I've had challenges on the legal side where people come after the things that I'm doing. I've had in interesting issues with celebrity brands. And at the end of the day, my perfectionism came back. Hmm. And I've never actually talked about this in an interview. I was getting divorced hmm. because part of me, my own personal reckoning was understanding if I didn't value myself, then the relationships that I was in probably mirrored that. And I started to one by one go through all of my personal relationships. And I decided that it was probably best to, to move on. And I had a very challenging divorce. Um, and that put a lot of pressure on me for this business to succeed. Now, who enters the beauty industry with 0.0, .0 experience, doesn't even have someone on the beauty industry on their team, and then expects to, to make it while getting a divorce, while parenting three children during a pandemic and homeschooling them. So I was working 14 to 16 hour days, sometimes 18 for about three years. So that has been the hardest thing, yeah. frankly, about Tude. Now I'm in a place where I have been so burnt out that I am trying to let this year be the year of integration. And that language you used earlier about imprints must have been born of that three-year craziness, that, right, of having people come after you legally. You know, you're seeing people who are taking your language, taking your ideas, and it's like, okay, how do I not see those things as defeats or failures or whatever, you know, however we translate those things. What kind of triggered in you that this year was going to be different? Was it sheer exhaustion and you had to do something different or was it sort of a, a, a moment of clarity? Last year, I, um, I got into like my first significant relationship since getting divorced. Mm. And that enabled me to understand how little joy and pleasure I was actually giving myself because I was so tied to raising my children and working. Mm. To continue to bully myself, to be perfect and to overachieve and to be tied to the metrics that the, the modern world has made us feel that unless we are successful, we're not valid. I ended up falling into that pattern. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until just recently. My oldest is going to be in high school next year. And we were transitioning from living outside the city for the pandemic. We moved out to coming like back into the city. And that has been very overwhelming for me too. New rhythms, rituals, and routines for everyone. So everything kind of still felt very unstable. And I can't continue to add more retail deals and, and go to Europe and go to Middle East and right. do all these expansive deals if like... I am not in homeostasis yet. I had to really do a hard look at myself and mm. say, my business is actually wanting to take me even bigger. But my knowing at 43 knows I'm setting myself up for a big disaster. So I needed to continue to ground myself and actually cultivate more stillness. So for the first time, I just stopped doing. And that was the scariest thing. Okay, so I I have to just make a note of this. In most of the interviews that I've done 
I don't think I've ever had in a conversation a founder talk to me about how in the middle of still growing the business, I've had them say to me, and then I sold the business because it was time to slow down. But I've never had them in the midst of, you're still in the launching years, you're still in those startup years, say to me, I had to, what was best for me was actually going to be best for the business, even though the business, sort of the pull of the business wanted to take me in another direction at another speed. I'm in control of this. This business is as much for me as it is for the people that I'm producing it for. And I think for this particular podcast where we're talking to women in midlife, the wisdom that comes from knowing is the gift of being able to launch and grow a business from that place, not feeling the pressure of success is measured in one single way. And if I don't And if I'm not accomplishing success in that exact way, then it's actually not success. What you're talking about is success for you, for your daughters, for your brand. It's so much more holistic, to use your word. And I I just have to call that out because you're saying something that I think is imperative to our listeners who want to start something, who are in the middle of starting something or growing something that success by definition has to be when all parts are firing for the best of each of those disparate parts, right? And so I thank you for calling that out. Now, what does that actually mean for you as you move forward? (laughs) Like, right? It's nice to say and to write in a journal, but then what does it mean? Are you turning deals down? There's the reality of money and needing yes. to see cash flow and deals with stores and other outlets growing. How do you deal with that? It's exactly what you said. I think it's about my level of discretion improved because I realized that the perfectionist firefighter part in me that didn't want to see myself fail was actually destroying my health. Mm. And impacting my children because their mom is always on a Zoom meeting. And I realized that this is not a sustainable way. Like we talk about Mother Earth and we talk about sustainability and being clean. We also have to look at sustainability for ourselves. I also knew from experience, and this is what I love about women, we're reflective. I've known from the past of the crash and burn cycle, and I wanted to see something to completion. Inshallah, one day I do hope. Inshallah. (laughs) But I'm not going to kill myself. I work very hard. I'm not going to take that away. It's not like when I say I was taking a moment of stillness, I was still working a lot of hours. I want to just be clear. But I was also saying to myself, I didn't have to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. I wanted to sit down and figure out five things I wanted to accomplish. And then I use that as a decision tree. So when I would get these sexy offers, come to Coachella, we'll do this with you and that, I had to say, if I go to Coachella, I will be away from my children for seven days. I may not even see a profit come out of this, um, but I may gain brand awareness, customer acquisition. I may have a little bit of sales. So I've tried to kind of evaluate this. And I said, in a decision tree, does this benefit my goal in life? And I have ADHD, a tremendous ADHD. And so my impulsivity is crazy. So I'm used to saying, yes, 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 yes. I'll do it all. I'll do it all. And I realize that I can't do it all. And so I'm going to do the things that make the most impact. Yeah. So maybe that's a better way for your listeners to think about when you feel overwhelmed, think about your one or two goals. And if that action will help you achieve your goal. Yeah, I believe that nothing comes without uh, discerning our intentions and everything can come from that intentionality. Once we've identified it, all of a sudden we know what to say yes and no to. And we've, you know, age has taught us how to say yes and no. Hopefully, hopefully we become a little bit better at that. There's something about the work that you've done with two, it's kind of incorporated, it's in your DNA, this idea of advocating. And although you are at the very base, you're a makeup brand, but once you dig into your social media, you're so much more. I mean, you are so 
omnipresent in the brand and your way of thinking it about the brand is so intertwined with you. You're using this as a platform. It seems as though you've built it with the intention of creating a megaphone and shining a light on the things that you find to be important. Is that true? Is that in fact the case or is that just who you who you are and you would do it anyway with or without Tude? Interesting. It is who I am. However, it, it, Tude was was the first vehicle in my life and I launched Tude when I was a month before I turned 41. Mhm that gave me the platform to do that. And I will say that because I am Iranian, I'm also used to living in a very patriarchal society Mm -hmm. and household. And so oftentimes I may have had a POV, but that POV may not have been expressed because it may have gone against the family or the overall sentiment of the home. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that until I've been doing my own inner work. And I realized how much in my life, while I look empowered and have language to communicate that I have been so silent and maybe it was getting divorced. Maybe it was growing my unibrow back. Mm. Uh, maybe it was me. And when I think about me as a little child in pain about having a unibrow, I think about other people in the world who have that experience because you can have a unibrow and also be any ethnicity in the world. Sure, It's not just tied to being Iranian. Sure. And I think how can I help someone not feel the same pain in the prison that I went through for so long? So many aspects of my life happen in an unconscious state because of that trauma as a child. So it just be imagine a world where we didn't have that. What, what could be created? Could, could we help save the, the planet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can we, can we actually like, create community and connection to uplift each other. Like, I don't even know what that world could look like. So why not try, Netta June? Yeah, why not try? And we all should try. You've talked a lot about the launch of Tude. You've talked a lot about the intention behind it. What about this venture has changed the way you look at who you are as a woman, not as a business Mm. owner, not as an advocate even? but who you are as a woman. You and I did not grow up in a time when we had any other choice but to be a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And launching to has been my own celebration of accepting myself. As you may see, I have silver hair that started to grow I during the pandemic. Love your hair. Love it. Although I was at dinner last night for my birthday with my parents and they were both like, when are you going to die? Yeah. Of, of course they are because they wouldn't be good Iranian parents if they didn't. <laughs> Egyptian parents do the same thing, FYI. Yes. Totally. And I had my, I had to deal with like my COVID curves and I had to deal with all these things that like, you know, as women we're told is wrong. Yeah. And yet I'm building this business that's about like self-expression and that really just made me go deeper inside. And when I did that inner work, I realized it's not that I don't identify myself as a woman. I'm, I don't consider myself non-binary because I don't really believe in labels in that way. But I really believe in myself as a soul, mm. which makes me feel actually more connected to the world. Mm. And also earth. I became more connected to the earth from launching to because I care so much about what is happening to our planet with the beauty industry. It's like a lot of deconstructing that I imagine you had to do to get to that point. Thank you for sharing all of that. I, I appreciate it. We can't let you go without getting into our fast five. So what's a, a hack could even be a regular practice that you do. And because you're in the industry you're in, we'll talk about a beauty hack, especially since you're deconstructing beauty for us that you think is a good one for, for women 40 plus. So my partner taught me something about glycerin. My grandmother always would have glycerin, maybe as a Persian grandmother, Uh she would always have glycerin on her nightstand. But if you use it on your lips, yeah, it actually helps keep your lips 
just like restore it to its natural color. So it can get like more like, depending on your lip color, yeah. you know, whatever that is. Like for me, it restores it back to more of like a rosy red-ish tint. Yeah. And so I put glycerin on my lips and also on any kind of scab that I get and it heals it very quickly. We haven't heard a hack like that. That's a good one. Where do we get glycerin? Do you just get it from the drugstore? At the drugstore. You can get a health food store, okay. any, anywhere. And then what are you reading these days? I have a feeling this is going to be interesting. I'm someone, because of my ADHD, that reads like seven books yeah. at once. <laughs> yeah. I'm really into spiritual books, if you can't yeah. tell. <laughs> and I'm really into astrology. One book that I will say I'm not reading now that I have read many times, though, is Many Lives, Many Masters. Okay by Stephen Weiss, who talks about past life um, regressions. I do love um, this book called like The Mastery of Love. It's the same Mm. gentleman that wrote um, The Four Agreements. Uh Uh Um, There's another book called like Abracadabra of Life. I got it at Mm. a like hippie yoga studio a few years ago. And that is just like a great book. You could read one chapter. You could read one line. I sometimes just like flip it to a page and I see the first sentence just to send me a message. And then there's some like psychology books that I'm reading, like some Jungian uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then what's a piece of advice you would love to give an audience member or that you would share with a friend who is starting a new venture in midlife and is struggling to start because she thinks maybe it's too late. It's never too late. Age ain't nothing but a number. Remember what Aaliyah said? Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Rest in peace, Aaliyah. Age is a construct. I'm here to tell everyone. I know it's something that's discussed. Age is an absolute construct. I will go out with 20-year-old kids who think I'm their age. And it's not the way I look. It's your spirit. Hmm. You can meet a young person who has like a very old energy. So I want to just remind all of us that we're souls with energy and age is a construct. So let's already remove that. You're never too old to start anything. In fact, every day is an opportunity to start something new. Um, Yeah. I think the second thing I would say is get to know yourself because when you start a business, as you know, Netta June, it's 24 seven and it's something that you're going to have to do a lot. So first get clear on who you are and what actually makes your heart beat and makes you want to jump up out of bed to do that. It will be a key to your success. So agree. And when you know yourself and you know what motivates you and you know what you're passionate about, then if you have an idea for a business that allows you to express your creativity, allows you to do your storytelling, allows you to kind of create a financially healthy model for yourself to be able to sustain. Start slowly. I never made a business plan because I didn't know I was going to start a makeup business, but you don't have to have a business plan per se, but start with some goals and strategic objectives. I think slower is something that is not emphasized enough in a society that profits off of needing to be a billion dollar company by year two and sold off. Let's normalize new business by women in middle age, because we have all these years of experience to know better of how to help improve the world. This is the feminine collective rising. This is the era. So we need women like our age to help shift the new world order. Yes. Amen to that for sure. And then you've got three daughters and you've talked about how Tude in so many ways was your gift to them and a gift to yourself. But what is it that you would want to say to them? And maybe it's exactly what you just said to us about midlife. How do you want them to think about midlife and approaching their forties, fifties, sixties? I just turned 43 yesterday. And uh, it's interesting because I turned 40 and then the world shut down two weeks later. Yeah. So my, ho- my whole midlife era <laughs> started off weird. So I, I want my daughters to know the following. No matter what age you are is your prime. Hmm. There is no definition of being expired Your fertility doesn't make you valid or invalid. There is a joy to every age. And instead of focusing on what you may have lost 
or what has changed, we should focus on the new consciousness that we may have, the new love and appreciation for ourselves that we may have, the way that we don't abandon ourselves the way we did in our youth. And my goal for my daughters is to be on that journey and to really just observe what each age and stage presents itself, because that is Mm -hmm. the purpose of life. And each of those ages and stages are gifts. And if we don't receive them as such, we've squandered them. What has launching Tude done to liberate you? We know how you've liberated others through it. What has it done to liberate you? I was going to start crying. Mm. Tude is my voice. Mm. Tude was a way for me to use makeup to facilitate conversation. What's interesting about beauty and makeup is that it, it brings up so much for everyone. To your point earlier, Netta June, everyone has their own unibrow story. It's a matter of actually looking deep within to, to then recognize what is yours. Hmm. And I never knew a way to share that story with everyone. I was too afraid. And I realized that the one thing I was the most afraid of was the thing that liberated me. And when we face something that has that much power over us and we realize the power that we have over anything we want to do, that feeling and that vibration is nothing that can be sold in a bottle. Hmm. It's nothing that you can be born into. It's something that's earned, but it's something that can be earned by all. And Tude was that lesson for me. I earned this liberation because I knew I no longer wanted to live in pain. So how do I choose joy? And that's a daily choice that we all have the privilege to make for ourselves. I mean... Yeah, how didn't it liberate you? I guess um, there there are so many so many ways. And from the beginning of our conversation, you have have shared that, and I'm so grateful for this conversation, for the time that you took the day after your 43rd birthday to be with us. Thank you. Thanks for enlightening us. I think in in new and fresh ways, and giving us perspectives that um, many of us didn't have before we got to know you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're so sweet. I really appreciate you. And can I say something about the people of Iran? Yes, please do. The interesting thing about Tud is that Tud was built off of me being an Iranian American. And then two years later, a revolution happened where people were fighting for freedom. And you just asked me a question about what liberated me. And the interesting thing is the revolution created a very intense emotional battleground for myself because I was fortunate enough to be born in this country Mm. and fortunate enough to not have my human, basic human rights taken away from me here. As I'm finding more of my freedom here, I'm watching my brothers Mm. and sisters fight to have the same freedom and also knowing that could have been my destiny. I was born in 1980, right where the revolution happened. Um, And then I see my free daughters. And then I noticed that same seven-year-old girl walk the streets without a hijab on. And so for Iranian Americans, it's very um, layered for me because all I want to do is help my brothers and sisters. I want to talk about freedom with Tude and I want to give them that freedom that Tude is trying to speak about, and I can't. All I can do is use my platform to just amplify their stories because no one is. We really are highlighting the Iranian-American diaspora and the experiences that we've had in beauty. Because I realize while I can't say I have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be an Iranian in Iran, I do know what it's like to be an Iranian-American in the 80s and 90s. And my experience with beauty And I've shared my experience with my unibrow, but there are 
hundreds, millions other Iranian Americans with a different experience. Yeah. And I really wanted to amplify those voices too, because while I can't be at the front lines in Iran, what I can do is help amplify who Iranians are. Yeah. And when I grew up, Iranians were always categorized as terrorists. We were an axis of evil, a country. Mm. Uh, and I had a lot of shame over being an Iranian Muslim. And now with my liberation, I can actually share the beauty of what it means to be an Iranian American and also what that experience has been like for me till now. Thank you for using your your platform, your powers for good and for teaching us how to do the same. We all have something that we're connected to. I think that we can reach back to and pull up along with us in whatever way we can. So thank you for making us conscious of that. Liberty listeners, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Bye for now. We'll see you guys next week. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.